welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Well, amen. i tell you what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to, Brother David and Pastor, I'm going to have to take this choir, those two ladies, this lady on the piano, and this orchestra, I'm going to have to take y'all on the road with me. We're just going to have to hit the road. <clears throat> You're going to have a little vacancy in the choir but, uh, on Sundays, but we're going to have a good time. Man, appreciate that. That's been awesome. Enjoyed every bit of it. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Verse 18 is where we're going to start, and um, so while you're turning there, I just want you to know uh, I've been looking forward to this week and uh, what's going to happen, especially all the eating, and you know when we have places like uh, Texas Roadhouse cooking dinner, it's going to be good, or lunch and stuff, so but we're going to have to uh, rope some steers while we're... <laughs> I might have to see if I can get somebody to let me borrow a rope and I'm... I'm going to demonstrate it for the pastor uh, at lunch or something on Tuesday. We can do that. <clears throat> but uh, it's good to see all of you here tonight. Uh, I like, if, for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm from Texas and stuff, and I like to hunt. I like to fish. And uh, where is your daughter? Is she, I'm so sorry. Uh, she's right there. I'm, I'm sorry. I do like to hunt and fish. And, and, and there's three reasons I like to hunt and fish. And we do all kinds of hunting and fishing. I mean, like... Uh, my family and I, we were in, this summer in Alaska, and we caught a bunch of halibut, and we brought 67 pounds of halibut and salmon fillets home, and uh, so it's, it was some good eating. And my wife, of course, outfished us all and was letting everybody know it, and, uh, but, but we, we had a good time. And so we like, whether it's fishing, whether it's hunting, I mean, we do all kinds of hunting, all kinds of fishing, but uh, the, the three reasons why I like to hunt and fish is number one, because when, when we go hunting, fishing, or whatever, generally, we'll have our family or friends with us. There's, so you get to spend time with your family and friends, quality time. And uh, whether you're out, out outdoors, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, or, or wherever, it's good quality family time. Second thing is, it's always fun. I'm telling you, I don't care what we're doing, whether it's hunting or fishing, there's always some kind of story, something happens on one of our trips. And uh, I could tell y'all, but I, I, would, I don't want to hurt her feelings, uh, but if I was doing a men's night or whatever, I would tell the whole story. Like, uh, I got some hog hunting stories. We go hog hunting and, uh, with dogs and stuff, and it's gotten crazy. And, uh, but but we're not, it's not a men's night, so I can't do that. It's not oh, a wild game dinner. But, but we got some stuff that happens. But the third reason I like to do it is for the food. I, I'm going to tell you, that halibut, you throw it on the, on the grill and a bunch of butter and salt and garlic, mm, it just like flakes off, just the purest white meat just flakes off of there, melts in your mouth, and deer steak, I'm, don't even get me started. You get some deer, uh, and I'm, not ta I'm talking about like the back strap, and you cut them up in a little medallion size, and you put them in some flour with, with salt and pepper in it, and then you throw it in some eggs and milk, and then you throw it back in some flour. And then you get a skillet. I'm talking about a cast iron skillet. And you get some grease, some good grease. And you put them fillets in there, and you just cook it on slow heat. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? 
I, I, I'm going to tell you something. And not only if you had any leftovers at our house, which hardly ever happens, but if we did have some leftovers, you could put it in a Ziploc bag and throw it in the refrigerator, and the next day at lunch, it'll even be better. I'm just telling you. But that, that's why I like, to, I like to hunt and fish. Now, Jesus, the same way I gave you three reasons, Jesus gave us three reasons why we're to fish for people. Jesus said, Mark, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus gave his disciples three reasons why we're to throw our line in the water and fish for people. And here's what he said in Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now. We thank you. We, we have lifted your name on high. And we have praised you. And Father, you said when your name is lifted up, you'll draw all men unto you. So Father, for those that are here tonight that don't know you, I pray that you draw them to yourself. For those of us that are here tonight that are believers, I pray God you stir us up for lost people. To have a heart like you do for them. To see them the way you see them. Speak to us tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, in Matthew chapter 28, this has already taken place. Jesus has been crucified on the cross, buried in the tomb, risen from the dead, hung out and appeared with his disciples, appeared to them for over 40 days. He's about to ascend back to his father. And right before he goes back to his father, he wants his disciples to know the most important thing they need to know as believers, as his disciples. And here's what he said. He said, basically, he said, I want you to throw your line in, in the water fish for people. And here's the three reasons why. Number one, he said this in verse 28. He said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given me. Verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The very first reason that you and I, as believers, should throw our line in the water and fish for people is because God desires for people to be saved. That's, that's his heartbeat. Did you see where he said go? Do you understand if, if it wasn't important to God or to, to, God or to Jesus to, to say, you know what, I don't care what happens to everybody. Why don't you just do this? Why don't y'all just pull up around a campfire and, and let, just worship me and, and sing to me 24 hours a day? That's not what he said. He said, I want you to go and make disciples because God desires for people to be saved. We talked about this morning that ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we've been separated from God. So God's whole plan has been to bring us back to a right relationship with him because that's his heartbeat. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this before at school, at work, wherever, at, around your neighborhood, whatever. People say this. Ronnie, this, uh, I've heard, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this, people say this to me. Ronnie, if God was so loving, why does he send people to hell? Have y'all ever heard that before? Have y'all ever heard a critic Somebody who says they're atheist or whatever, and by the way, that's a whole other story. There's really no real atheists out there I, that I've encountered. I've just encountered a lot of hurt people that are mad at God. That's a whole other sermon. But I, I, I've, I've never really encountered that. But I've had people say, why, why do people, or why does, if God is so loving, why send people to hell? 
And here's the deal. In reality, God doesn't send anybody to hell. In reality, you send yourself. Because God has provided a way by sending his son Jesus out of heaven, down this earth, to die on a cross to provide a way to take away our sins so we can have a relationship with him. So in reality, God doesn't send anybody. In reality, we choose to send ourselves. See, because the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. In 1 Timothy uh, 2, 4, the Bible says God wants everyone to be saved and to know the truth, the whole truth. See, that's God's heartbeat ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Um, if you were not here this morning, uh, let me just, I got to share this part of my story so you'll know the rest of the story. And so um, this morning I shared that uh, I'm a result of a rape. My mom was raped when she was 17 and she could have had an abortion, but she didn't. She had me. And so as Paul Harvey says, now for the rest of the story. And those of y'all don't know Paul Harvey, Harvey he, was, he, was, he was the guy that was on the radio a long time ago. And, uh, and he would always say that. He would say, now for the rest of the story. So here's the background. My mom was 17. She had a boyfriend she'd been dating for two years. And uh, it was during the Vietnam War. And so uh, her boyfriend was stationed in Louisiana. So my mom and her family went to Central Texas one weekend to see some friends. And while they were there, their friend's son raped my mom while they were there. And so back in those days, they didn't talk about that. My mom thought it was her fault, all that kind of stuff. She felt shame and all that, so didn't tell anybody. They came home that weekend. Uh, a month later, she found out she was pregnant with me. So her boyfriend that she'd been dating for two years came back from the Army. A month later, they got married, and we moved to Kansas, the big Red One Army base up there. And everybody just assumed that I was his son. So this guy that my mom married, he was an alcoholic. He ran around on my mom. He beat my mom. All that kind of stuff. He'd get his paycheck on Friday night, go party and blow it all. So we would have to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all week just to try to scrape by because he blew all the money uh, on that weekend. And so this was our life. The next two, two years later, they had my next brother, Alan. So when I was three, Alan was one. My mom had had it up to here of him running around on her, beating her and all that kind of stuff. So my mom called my grandpa in the middle of the night. He came and got us and moved us back in with them. And we lived there with them. And so my mom finally got the courage. She got a divorce, finally got the courage to start dating again. So she went to this country and western two-stepping bar, met this guy named Jamie. Jamie ended up asking my mom out on a date. They would go out on a date. They ended up falling in love. Jamie asked my mom, Sandra, to marry him. So they got married. So when they got married, Jamie put into legal procedures and adopted me, adopted my brother Alan as his own sons. So my name changed from Ronnie McGahey, thank you Jesus, uh, if, you're, if your name's McGahey, not slamming on your name, it's just easier for a three-year-old to spell Hill, H-I-L-L, -L, that's it. So my name changed from Ronnie McGahey to Ronnie Hill, because that was Jamie's last name. So I finally had a dad, had somebody that was going to take care of us, put food on the table, not beat my mom, not run around with my mom, all that kind of stuff. So I had appreciation for my dad. So we would go to church. My mom would take us about two times a year. Now, now they've had my next brother, Peyton. So there's three boys. And so uh, she would take us about two times a year. And I'll never forget one day when I was eight years old, First Baptist Church, Missouri, Texas, I was sitting in the back row. Normally not paying attention, shooting spitwise, playing tic-tac-toe, that kind of deal. But I, I can't explain it. All I can tell you is the Holy Spirit got my attention. And I realized for the first time in my life that God loved me and God cared about me. I realized that I was a sinner. 
And because of my sin, I was going to go to hell. Well, I, I didn't want to go to hell. And the preacher said, I didn't have to. He said, Jesus died on the cross for you. Take away your sins so you can have a relationship with him. And if you want that relationship with him, I'll be right down here and I'll be glad to show you. We stood up, started singing, just as I am. As soon as we started singing that song, I looked at my mom. I said, Mom, would you go with me? She said, yes. I walked down that aisle as an eight-year-old boy and I gave my life to Christ and I was saved. I've never done the drinking, partying, Viva Loco, none of that stuff. You know why? Because I saw that in my house. I didn't want any of that. I saw him to pick my dad who adopted us. Now, he still would drink and stuff like that, but not like the first uh, dad. My, my dad, he still would drink, you know, a six-pack of Lone Star on the weekends. It would be a case of Lone Star and, and that kind of stuff. But I remember picking up my dad at 3 o'clock in the morning at a Tap 98 beer joint because he was too drunk to drive home. She, my mom had to load up all three kids, and we had to go get him. And so that, that's what I remember. That's the, the, the chaos and stuff. And towards the end, uh, my mom and dad were about to get a divorce. And, but I'll, I'll never forget this. With the day I gave my life to Christ, I'll, ne I'll never forget, I wanted to hurry up and get home. And back then, you know, people come by and shake your hand, all that kind of stuff. And I just kept, my mom got saved about the same time I did. Uh, a month before, a month after reading Dale Evans, Roy Rogers and Dale Evans, reading Dale Evans' book. That's how my mom got saved. But I'll never forget, I did not want my dad to go to hell. Because he took care of us. And I, I, I want, I, I remember getting in the car that day, and, and I was riding shotgun, because I called it. And uh, my two brothers were in the back seat, and my mom, we pulled up in the driveway, and my dad would never go to church with us. Always had some excuse why he couldn't go. This particular weekend, he was building shelves in the garage, so that's why he couldn't go that weekend to church with us. And so I remember we pulled up in the driveway. The garage door was open. My dad was sitting there building uh, shelves and hammering in the, in the garage. And my mom didn't even get the car stopped yet. I opened up the door. I jumped out. I ran to my dad. I said, Dad, Dad, guess what happened to me, Dad? Dad, guess what happened to me, Dad? Dad, Dad, guess what happened to me, Dad? And he stopped hammering to her. I said, what, son? I said, Dad, I got saved today. I got saved. He said, that's good, son. He turned around and went back to hammering. Because my dad didn't have a clue what being saved meant. I'll never forget this. I ran in the house. I knelt down on the couch. My mom came in there with me, my two brothers, and I started crying. I started praying that God would save my dad. He said, why'd you do that? I just believed the pastor. And the pastor said that God hears our prayers. So I started praying fervently every single day that God would save my dad. Two years later, God orchestrated some events that brought my dad to church with us. Not one Sunday, which was huge. Not two Sundays, not three, four Sundays in a row. The fourth Sunday, my dad, as a grown man, during the invitation, we stood up. He took my youngest brother, Peyton. He said, Ronnie, hold Peyton. My dad walked down the aisle, gave his life to Christ, and was saved. The drinking, the smoking, the cussing, stopped. Never saw it in our house again. My dad got the word, started reading the Bible, started doing what it says. Can you believe that? Two years later, God called my dad to preach. We sold everything we had, moved, moved to Fort Worth, Texas. My dad went to seminary, got his first church in Oklahoma. While we were in Oklahoma, I was 14 years old. My dad was preaching the gospel. And while my dad was preaching the gospel, I started to preach underneath my dad's ministry. You think I wanted my dad saved? God wanted my dad saved more than I did because God had bigger plans I did not have a clue about. God desires for people 
to be saved. That's his heartbeat. And that's the first reason we need to throw our line in the water and start fishing for people. Now let me show you the second. He said this in Matthew 28 verse 19. Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples of some nations. Is that what's that? They don't? Well, you know we've got a lot of different translations these days. So, does anybody have like an NIV version? Anybody have an NIV? Nobody? You do? Does it say all in the NIV? That's what it says all in the NIV. Does anybody have like a, a NAS? It says you have an NAS? Does it say all in the NAS? Okay. Well, Anybody have the legit translation? Uh, the King James? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people think that King James, that Jesus spoke in King James. Um, <laughs> so it was written actually in Greek. I just want y'all to know that. But, but anybody have King James version? Anybody have King James? No? We got one? Does this say all in the King James? All right, let me ask y'all a question. If it says all nations in all these different translations, why do you treat it like it's some nations? So y'all looking at me like, oh, can't believe you're saying this is some. No, he says all nations. You're right. It says all. In the Greek, it's all. So, so if it's all nations, why do we treat it like it's some? Oh, now, hey, more power to you. I, I'm excited we got, you know, different ethnicities. It's hard for me to say that word. Ethnicities here at the church. I'm, I'm proud of That's really good. But how about this? Let's hit closer to home. How about people that don't look like us, act like us, talk like us? How about those people? Do you know those people need Jesus? Not just, I don't think y'all have a racial issue here. But how about people that are different than us? Those people need Jesus. Do you know that even Yankees need Jesus? <laughs> Do we have some Yankees moving in here? We, we might... Yankees, we're, we're glad you're here. We're... <laughs> but Southern people need Jesus too. And, and you know, listen, it's easy for me to uh, reach Cowboys, okay? So when I'm in a rodeo and we're lassoing, and uh, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. So but when I'm in a rodeo, it's easy for me to witness to those kind of guys. You know why? Because they don't expect a preacher to be out there. So I'm in like camouflage. So I, I'm on my horse, and I'm sitting up there, I ride up next to somebody, and I start talking to this guy about his horse. Hey man, how old's your horse? How's he bred? Is he head or heel? How old is he? Stuff like that. And then bam, I tell him about Jesus, and he don't even realize it's coming. <laughs> didn't, didn't even expect it. It's like, whoa, where did, where did that come from? See that, but I'm gonna tell you who it's hard for me to reach. And it's not because I don't love them. It's just hard to sneak up on them. Skateboarders. <laughs> think, think about it. I mean, they, they got their pants down to here, you know. And they get on their skateboard, and they get on the skateboard, and they get on there, and they get like, because their belt's right here, you know, so they, they can't, they got so, so they see me coming with boots and jeans on, and they think, hick. And they start getting on the little skateboard and doing that. And so I have to get my rope and just. <laughs> hey, 
I want to tell you, I have done that. I've roped a lot of people and told them about Jesus. In Calgary, at Calgary Stampede Rodeo, our ministry bought a mechanical bull and set it out there and to tell people about Jesus. Because everybody wants to ride the rodeo, wants to ride a mechanical bull and stuff. So I bought that bull, put it out there. They could ride the bull for free if they heard us tell, tell our story about how Jesus changed our life. And so people could be walking by on the, on the sidewalk right in front of our bull. And I'd just be out there with my rope. And I'd just rope by the feet. It comes up all the way around the waist. And I'm like, how did you do that? And I'm like, well, let me tell you how I did it. And then all of a sudden, they're like, why are you doing this? Well, let me tell you. And bam, I tell about Jesus right there. We had 459 people saved at Calvary Stampede Rodeo doing that. In one week, just doing that. Do you understand? There are people that are hurting all over the place. And those people need Jesus. Not just some of them. All of them. They need Jesus. I was, uh, I guess it was a couple of summers ago, I was at home. And uh, a pastor that I had done a revival with in Lake Worth, uh, right side of Fort Worth there, he called me up. He told me, he said, and it was in the summer, he said, hey, we're doing revival. I said, in the summer? He said, yeah, man, we're having people say it's unbelievable. I said, well, well, tell me about it. He said, well, man, we meet at church in the morning. He said, we pray. And we pray for, you know, an hour or so. And we just ask God to tell us where to go, who to talk to, and that kind of thing. And then we get up, we pair up in groups, and we go. He said, you won't believe what happened this morning. I said, what? He said, man, we were praying. And we got through, and everybody's asking everybody who God laid on your heart to go, you know, share Jesus with. He said, and we got to this girl, and we said, well, who, did, who did God lay on your heart? She said, nobody. She said, um, I just saw the color turquoise. They said, turquoise? She said, yeah, not, I, not anybody, just the color turquoise. They go, okay. So they get in the cars, they leave, they're driving down the road. They pass a 7-Eleven. This girl goes, hey, there, there's a turquoise car right up front of 7-Eleven. They said, okay, let's pull in, let's go. They pull in 7-Eleven. They walk in the store. Behind the counter is a lady with a turquoise shirt on and a turquoise cap. She walks up to the lady. She says, ma'am, you're not going to believe this. Uh, we were at church this morning praying. Blah, blah, blah. Tells the whole story. And she said, I saw the color turquoise. Come in here. Saw the turquoise car out front. Saw you wearing a turquoise shirt, turquoise cap. And uh, I think the uh, Lord wants me to talk to you about Jesus. That lady goes, that is so weird. She said, you are the fourth person this month to talk to me about Jesus. I was like, wow, that's unbelievable. He goes, yeah, we're having stuff like that happen all the time. I said, well, man, when you get through the revival, call me back, tell me what happened. She says, okay. I hung up the phone. So as I hung up the phone, I said, honey, you ready? She goes, yeah. So we were going to discount tires, put four new tires on the white's vehicle because they were getting real low. And um, so I said, you ready? She goes, yeah. So it's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon now. And so uh, we go to Discount Tire. They get her car up on the, on the lift. And so I said, honey, I am starving to death. I haven't eaten all day. I said, you want to eat? She said, yes, I haven't eaten either. So we turn around. There's a Taco Bell right behind us. I said, let's just walk across the street, go to Taco Bell and eat. She says, okay. We walk into Taco Bell. As soon as we walk into Taco Bell, there's only two people in the whole restaurant. There was one person at the counter and one guy sitting in the back corner had a turquoise shirt on. <laughs> and a turquoise cap. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, I need to talk to him about Jesus. So we order, we get our food, we sit down. As soon as we sit down, my wife <laughs> inhales her food, it's gone. So I would, I would say this if she was here. I would, I would, 
I'm not talking behind her back. My wife, when she was in college, she went to University of Miami in Florida. My wife, when she was in college, she worked as a waitress as well. So in her breaks, she had to learn to eat fast. So she, it just carries over into the marriage. And so now I'm always, you can ask them, I was the last one at the table eating today. And I'm always like that. So she just, it's gone. About that time, she gets a phone call. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, uh-huh. And talking that lady voice, and like she's talking to another lady, you know, and she's like, "Okay, bye bye." And I'm like, "She gets up. Oh, where, where are you going?" She goes, "Oh, I forgot to tell you. Uh, I got four pillows for sale on market on Facebook Marketplace, and the pillows are in the car. And she's got to come over and meet me at Discount Tire to get them." I said, "Okay, I'm, I'm gonna finish." She said, "Okay." She said, "I'll see you in a minute." So she goes back over to Discount Tire to get the pillows. As soon as she walked out the door, this guy in the corner stands up. He could have walked anywhere in the entire restaurant. He could have walked down that aisle, that aisle, that aisle. Walked out that door, that door, that door. Nope. He comes from that corner all the way over here down my aisle. So his name's Trent, by the way. He get a big old burly dude, beard, tough dude. He comes right down the aisle. He gets right to me, and I said, "Hey, dude." He goes, "Yeah." I said, uh, "Hey, throw your stuff in the trash. Come back and he tell you something." He said, "Okay." He goes over. Throws the stuff in the trash, turns back around, comes over, gets the chair on the other table, whips it around backwards, sits on it with his hands up on top of the back of the chair, and, says, and he says this, all right, shoot, what you got? <laughs> I said, dude, I was on the phone at my house, minding my own business. The guy called me, told me about this story. I tell him the whole story about the turquoise car, 7-Eleven, turquoise ladies shirt, all that cap. I said, then I'll walk in here, right after I get off the phone. Walk in here, dude, you got a turquoise shirt on, turquoise cap. He goes, dude, the hairs on my arm just stood up. He goes, what you going to tell me? <laughs> I said, dude, let me share with you my story. So I tell him in three minutes how Jesus Christ changed my life. I said, not only that, he can change your life. When I get through sharing the gospel and tell him how he can invite Christ to come to his life, I said, Trent, let me ask you a question. Would you like to do that right now? Would you like to invite Christ in your life right here, right now, at Taco Bell? He just started bawling. I mean, I'm talking about just tears. He couldn't talk for at least five minutes. When he gets through, when he can talk, he said, Man, I've done two tours in Iraq. I got PTSD. My wife is about to leave me. And we got a two-year-old little boy. He said, I come home from work every day and drink a case of beer. He said, and I don't want to live like this anymore. I said, Trent, would you like to invite Christ in your life right now? Trent said, yeah. And right there in Taco Bell, Trent prayed and invited Christ to come to his life and was changed. We get there talking. I said, hey, man, well, here's my phone number. You call me if you ever need me. And uh, he said, okay. So about a month goes by. Trent calls me. He said, hey, man. He said, my wife and I are, uh, are wanting to make this thing work. We're wanting to get back together. He said, could you counsel with us? I said, yeah, I'd be glad to. I said, let's meet at Waterburger. So evangelists, we don't have a church office, so we have to meet at fast food restaurants. <laughs> so, so, so we met at Waterburger. Guess what happened? Him and his wife were restored. That's what I'm talking about. There are people all around us that need Jesus. 
that are hurting. And we just pass them by every single day. We don't see the signs. We don't see where God's moving. We don't see, hey, this is somebody that needs Jesus. They're everywhere. And you got family and friends. They need Jesus. And they're hurting. That's the second reason why you need to throw your line in the water and fish for people. Because heaven is real and so is hell. But the third reason we need to throw our line in the water and fish for people. In Matthew 28 verse 19, Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now in verse 18, 19, and 20, there are four verbs in the Greek. Go, teach, baptize, and make disciples. Out of those four verbs in the Greek, there's only one that is in the imperative usage. And that is make disciples. Do you know what that means, what's in the imperative usage? It means it's a command. It's not an option. Our Lord and Savior Jesus didn't get his disciples around the fire and go, Hey boys, would you, would you pretty please? Would you please go tell somebody about Jesus? Just if you get this little, uh, 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 this little feeling inside, this little sign, would you, just, just a little warm feeling, just, uh, 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 if you feel like it, if you just want to, would you, would you pretty please, would you do, would you do, do? Jesus didn't do that. No, our Lord and Savior Jesus gave us marching orders to make disciples. Listen, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so you could be forgiven, so you could be made in right standing with him. And he told us to go make disciples. He didn't beg you. He didn't plead. It's a command. And every one of us need to be doing it. You go, but Ronnie, I'm not, I'm not Billy Graham. I don't have the gift of Billy Graham. I can't like talk to everybody. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, two things are going to free you up. You ready for this? Number one, it's not about your ability. Do you hear what I'm saying? So I don't care if you can't talk like the pastor or me or Billy Graham or whoever. No, it's not about your ability. It's about your availability. To say, yes, Lord, anywhere, anytime, place. yes. Because if you're not doing it, it's because you're worried about what other people think. See, it's a command. And this stuff about people like my family, my family, they needed Jesus. My mom and dad were about to get a divorce. Chaos in our home. We needed Jesus. We needed somebody from a church to tell our family. And do you realize the chaos that we wouldn't have had to go through if somebody would have done that earlier? No, this stuff is real. It's affecting people's lives. People are dying every day. It's not about your ability. It's just to say, yes, Lord. Anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Number two. Let me tell you this. It's not your responsibility to save anybody. Some of y'all are on a guilt trip you don't need to be on because a family member didn't get saved and they died. And you're worried, well, I didn't do a good enough job witnessing to them and stuff. And they said no. And so, no, it's, it's not your responsibility to save them. It is, however, your responsibility to tell them. And if they don't give their life to Christ, that's on them. That's why you saw this morning when I gave the invitation, you didn't see no manipulation for me giving the invitation. I threw it out there. You want to be saved? Come on. You don't? That's fine. That's your choice. Why? Because I can't save anybody. No, but I can tell everybody. And then you make a choice of what you want to do. So do you understand how that would free you up? That you don't have to worry, well, did I do a good enough job or did I do this? No, it's not your responsibility. You're just supposed to tell them about Christ. They have to make that decision. You can't do that for them. People always ask me, after I share my testimony, 
like this morning. Well, have you ever met your biological father? That guy that raped your mom. Did you, did you ever meet him? I didn't even know that I was a result of rape until I was 22 and in seminary. And my mom was going through a, a book called Making Peace with Your Past. And she told me about it. And I was, you know, I was kind of surprised, but I wasn't totally shocked because I knew I didn't look like my brother Alan's biological father. And so I wasn't totally blown away. You know, because everybody in my whole family all had brown eyes. I'm the only one with blue eyes. And so well, after 22, about probably six years later, my mom, uh, she had told me about it. I went down to see them. And they, they lived about five hours from me. And so we have a big uh, barbecue cook-off, rodeo, all that kind of stuff, a bunch of lassoing going on. And uh, <laughs> I'm just seeing if y'all are paying attention. And... Uh, <laughs> So, so anyway, uh, I went down there, and as soon as I walk in uh, the fairgrounds, my aunt walks up to me. She said, Ronnie, your biological father's here. I said, where? She said, he's right over there. And I'll be honest with you. Pardon me? Can, can they handle me telling the truth then? Being real? Okay. So part of me, I wanted to go kick his tail for what he did to my mom. He raped my mom, got away with it, did serve, served no time, nothing. I wanted to go kick his tail. The, the other part of me, I wanted to know if there's any um, medical stuff I need to know about. Did I inherit something, you know, some disease, something like that? Don't, don't look at me that way. Y'all look at me like, I can't believe. Y'all would think the same thing. We, don't act like you, especially you choir, y'all would think that. So, so I'm thinking, you know, did I inherit? So I walk up to him, cold turkey. And it wasn't planned on it, nothing. Just walked up to him. I said, Ray. He turns around and says, yeah, he had the black felt hat on, dark sunglasses. He said, yeah. I said, my name's Ronnie Hill. He said, well, nice to meet you. I said, my mom's Sandra Hill. He said, don't know her. I said, well, her maiden name is. Told him her maiden name. He goes, uh, no, uh, uh, he starts stuttering. Uh, no, uh, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know her. I said, well, I don't know how to tell you this. I said, but you're my biological father. He said, what? And so I told the story. When I got through telling the story, he took off his sunglasses. He has blue eyes just like me. And it was like I was looking in a mirror. And he said, well, you got the blue eyes. Here, give me a hug. <laughs> Starts to hug me right there. I'm thinking, dude, you want to be on Dr. Phil? You go ahead. I'm not, I'm not going on Dr. Phil. I'm not doing that. And, and then he said, well, he steps back. He said, well, you turn off being a father like your man. What do you do? I said, well, I'm a preacher. He said, well, you can see I'm not. He had a can of beer in his hand, held it up kind of like that. I said, yeah. He said, well, uh, where do you live? All that. So we started doing this small talk, where he lived, all that. And when I asked him where he lived, I asked him, oh, you got any medical stuff I need to know about? And um, so about that time, we've been talking for about 15 minutes. His wife at the time he was married to started walking over towards us. Well, he didn't want her to know. So he said, well, hey, uh, you got the phone number. Next time you're down, give me a call. We'll go have a cup of coffee. We'll see, we'll see you later. Walks off. That was it. I talked to him for 15 minutes. That was it. So I go home that day. I tell my dad, I said, Dad, uh, I met my biological father today. He said, well, how do you feel, son? I said, weird. He said, well, um, here, give me a hug. My dad started hugging me. He said, let me, let me pray for you. So my dad started praying for me. So I was back down there. Um, not too long after that. And um, I asked my aunt, I said, 
have you seen Ray? She said, you haven't heard? I said, no, heard what? She said, well, he's been missing now for like two months. I said, really, what's going on? She said, nobody knows. She said, you know the woman he's with at the fair? I said, yeah. She said, they got divorced. When they got divorced, boom, he's gone. I said, well, that's strange. So like three months later, I'm back down there again. I'm preaching at a church. And I'm sitting on the front row. Oh, I forgot to tell you all this. When I flew in, uh, my mom and dad picked me up from Houston Hobby Airport. And uh, as soon as I flew in, uh, my, my mom leans in the back seat when I get in the car. And she said, uh, honey, um, we got some bad news for you. I said, what? She said, uh, they, they found your biological father. I said, what, what are you talking about? She said, um, here. She handed the newspaper. I mean, from the day I flew in that morning. On the front page, in big bold letters at the top, it said, Human Bones Found. And read the article, what, what happened was he ran his truck off the road into some woods, got it stuck, it was way off, you couldn't see it from the road, uh, got it stuck, nobody knows why, they put some logs underneath it, try to get it out. They found his body 50 feet from his truck, uh, animals had eaten it, uh, there'd been a flood, so it was very deteriorated. They left the case open, for like several years, closed it unsolved, reopened it back up a couple of years ago. They had a tip and it's still unsolved. So when I read that, I was just kind of numb. So the next morning, I'm sitting in the front row of the church about to preach. This girl gets up, she sings, we're standing on holy ground. As she's singing that, right before I preach, I break down bawling, I can't stop crying. And uh, she gets through, I'm supposed to get to preach. I'm crying, I can't, I can't say nothing. And so, I mean, I'm not kidding. It's several minutes before. And it took me probably 10 minutes to say this. If you saw the newspaper yesterday morning, front page, that's my biological father. I'm having a hard time dealing with it. And I said, if you want to be safe, here's the pastor. And I went and sat down. You know what hit me? As I was sitting down in that front row, like a ton of bricks. Because of my anger and my bitterness towards him and resentment, he's probably in hell. You say, oh, well, you can't say that, Ronnie. You didn't know. You only talked to him for 15 minutes. No. Right after I met him, or after they found his body, three months later, I met my biological grandmother. And I decided I wasn't going to make that mistake again. And the first thing I did was I sat down and I told her about Jesus. You know what she did? She leans over and taps me on the leg. It's okay, dear. I'm Catholic. I'm good. <laughs> I said, well, I, I'm glad, but I wasn't talking about that. I wasn't talking about religion. I talking about a relationship. She ended up coming to two revivals in a row while I was down there preaching. Second revival on Children's Emphasis Night. She came down the aisle and gave her life to Christ. Amen. You know what she told me? She said, unless something happened at that truck... She's 99% sure her son's in hell. I could have told him about Jesus. I, I talked to him for 15 minutes. I could have done something. I, you know what I could have done later? Later, you know, I, I could have called him. I could have uh, sent him a track. I could have done a lot of things. And I put it off. Like a lot of you. Because you got family members that don't know Jesus. So you know what you think? You think, you know what? Five years from now, I'll tell about Jesus. Ten years, I'll, I'll tell about Jesus. Uh, maybe, maybe 15 years. Later on down the road, I'll tell about Jesus. 
I didn't have 10 years. I didn't have five years. I had two. That's all I had. Two years. Listen, this thing about people living and dying, it's real. And you can try to hide all you want to from it, but it's real. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you the reality. Because I know, because I have family that's happened recently. And they need to know Jesus. And listen, what are you, what are you worried about? That they're going to get upset with you? Guess what? Hey, uh, they'll get over it. Listen, parents that have kids, you worried about your grandparents, you know, not knowing Jesus? Guess what? They'll get over it because they won't see the grandbabies. Don't, don't think that they won't, you know, be fine. They'll, they'll care, but listen, my grandpa, I told him over and over and over again, not right now, bub, not right now, bub, not right now, bub. 20 years later, he gave his life to Jesus. So it's never too late. And don't stop. You keep trying. You keep telling them. You keep witnessing to them. You keep letting them know. Not in a mean way. Not in a... I never do it where I'm like, oh, you need to give your life to Christ right now. You're going to hell. They're going to be turned off by that. Tell them, show them your love. Show them you care about them. Have a, have a conversation with them. Not a debate. This is not, it's not about debating your, your Mormon aunt or uncle. It's not about debating your cousin that's a Jehovah Witness. It's not about debating an atheist or whatever. No, it's just about re real. Je Jesus really changed my life. And what he did for me, he can do for you. And if you want to, right here, right now, if you want to repent and believe in Jesus, you can do that. He'll change you forever. That's what I'm talking about. And we need to be doing that. Guess what, church? That's why this church exists. It exists to be a light in Lexington. Just like your church does. And the rest of the, you represent the other church here. Our churches, the church as a whole, that's, what we, that's why we're here. To tell people about Jesus. Listen, all this worshiping, man, we're going to be doing a lot. I love to worship. I, I worship when I'm not here. Oh my, I get my phone out. I've got iTunes. I'm worshiping in the morning. All that. That's all well and good. But guess what? We're going to be doing that for, forever in heaven. Guess what you won't ever be able to do again, though? You will never again be able to tell somebody about Jesus and give them a chance to receive Christ. Once he comes, once we die, that's it. Never again. We're not going to be doing that in heaven. It's right here, right now. And you have a perfect opportunity this week to see people saved. I mean, good night. They are throwing out the buffet every single night. Tacos and Texas Roadhouse and steak. Let, you let me tell you how you get somebody here. You get one of them steak tickets. Are they back at the back? We need to get somebody in charge of that, passing them babies out. Who, who can we get this back here we could do that? Who, who, who's one of our people? Who's one of our, one of our ushers or somebody? I mean somebody that can talk. Who is that? Y'all all know who it is. Don't be afraid to point them out. Where are they? Are they in the choir? Are they up here? We're recruiting right now. I, I will lasso you. <laughs> I'm, all right, I'm getting a rope. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to get as many of those tickets as soon as the service is over with. You be back at the back, and you hand them to people. You, I'm, I'm going to show you how to give one of these steak tickets away, okay? Here's how you do it. And I got some for myself, so when I'm at McDonald's or whatever, I'm going through the drive-thru, I'm giving these babies out. 
And here's what you do. You walk up to somebody and say, hey, I got this steak ticket for you. Because you did. You got it from her. I got this steak ticket for you. We're having steak at our church Wednesday night at 5.30, right? 5.30? You and your whole family. It's free. It don't cost you a dime. It's on me. Can you come? You good with that? You good with that? All right. You ain't got nothing else to do. All right. So 5.30, Wednesday night, I'll be out front. I'll see you. We're going to meet in the auditorium, and we're going to dismiss, and we're going to feed everybody in like five minutes. You good with that? Okay. Now, you, 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 you're good. You're going to be coming. All right? That's how you get one of them things to play. Do y'all see what I'm talking about? And hey, let them know. It's a good steak, too. We're not, it's not no Salisbury steak, is it? <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> no, we're having steak. All right? So, you got, hey, and if you're worried about that, give them, give them the Texas Roadhouse on, on Tuesday. Tuesday morning. All right? Steak, salad, baked potatoes. Is that all we're having? We're having all that stuff? Okay? If that don't work, get your lasso out. Listen, hey, I, I'm, I'm not kidding about this. They really need to know Jesus. And I want to encourage you, you do whatever it takes to get them here. All right, all week long, but not just that, for you to tell them about Jesus. Because we never know when, when it's going to happen. I, I was telling the pastor about this, and, and it's, it's kind of, I don't want to be trying to scare people, but I also want to tell people reality. Um, my friend Wade, who does what I do, who, who, who is an evangelist. He's been doing it just as long as I have, too. We were at South, met at Southwestern. He was my best man at my wedding. He's been doing it for over 30 years, and so have I. He was preaching at Falls Creek, Oklahoma. 6,000 youth there. Had 400-something students saved that week. I don't know how many rededications. Tons of people surrendered to full-time ministry. He runs marathons. I mean, even wrote a book on it. He gets back home from doing that, finds out he got COVID. He's 53, gets COVID, home for a week, uh, what do you call it? Uh, quarantined himself, thank you. Quarantined himself from his family. Seven days later, his oxygen level goes down, has to go to the hospital. He's in there for 20 something days. Gets blood clots in his lung and around his artery in his heart. They go in to do surgery, can't get the blood, the blood clot in his artery because it's wrapped around uh, his valve in his heart. They close him back up, he's okay. They increase his blood pressure medicine and he codes. He had a freshman in high school daughter and a freshman in college daughter. Eden, and Trini. Trini's 14. Eden's 18. We never know. He was a picture of health. People need Jesus. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, you can know him right now. If you don't have that peace and purpose that I was talking about, that would happen to my family, it could happen to you right now. And if you'd like for that to happen, here's what I'm going to do. 
If you're willing to do what the Bible says, if you're willing to repent of your sins and believe in him, realizing that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins and he was buried and he rose from the dead, say, yeah, I want to commit my life to Christ. Because all this other stuff I've been trying, it's not working. I don't have peace. You want that? Because listen, I'm not blowing smoke. This Jesus, this, I'm not making up some story about Santa Claus stuff like the elf or whatever. This Jesus changed my life. He can change yours. If you want to right here, right now, you can invite Christ to come to your life. And he'll change you just like he did me. I'm living proof. And if you want to, I'm going to pray that prayer and right where you're seated, you can invite Christ to come to your life. Now I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Just give me just two minutes. Nobody get up. Nobody leave. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes, please? With heads bowed, eyes closed. If you say, Ronnie, that's me. I've, I've never done that before. I, I've been religious. I've gone to church. I've, you know, joined a church or whatever, a denomination, but I've never committed my life to Christ. If you'd like to do that, with heads bowed, eyes closed, right where you are, just pray this prayer with me. Just pray it to God. You're admitting that you've sinned against him. You're turning from your sin, and you're inviting him into your life. If you'd like to do that, then pray that prayer with me right now, right where you're seated. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I've messed up. And I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And God, I turn from my sins. And I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one's looking around, I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. If you're here tonight, you say, Ronnie, for the first time in my life, I prayed that prayer and I invited Jesus to come to my life. If you just prayed that prayer with me, would just those of you that prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me right now and let me catch your eyes? Say, Ron, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? You said, Ronnie, I prayed that prayer and I invited Jesus to come to my life. Right on this side, side over here. Over here on this side. Right here. Okay, buddy. Got you right here. Anybody else right here? Yes, sir. Anyone else? Say, Ryan, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. Okay, well, just those of you that prayed that prayer, just keep looking up at me just for a second. Everybody else's heads bowed and eyes closed, just those that prayed that prayer. I want to encourage you about what the Bible says. Just want you to know, according to what the Bible says, God has forgiven you of everything you've ever done. That's good news. He didn't do it because you joined the church. He didn't do it because you went to the church tonight or you've done it in the past. He did it because he died on the cross pay for all of your sins and to pay for all of mine and now now that he's done that for you he's come to live in you and he says he'll never leave you you know there will be a lot of people leave us in our lives whether they die on us abandon us whatever he says but I will never leave you I will never forsake you says the Lord you say okay so what am I supposed to do now well now that you're a follower of Christ he's come to live in you you're supposed to let people know he said in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. He says, if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father who's in heaven. What's that mean? That means we're not to be ashamed of him. I don't know about you. When I get to heaven, I want Jesus to say, hey, that's Ronnie. Come on in. I don't want him to say, hey, I don't know who you are. 
You say, so what, what do I do? How do I do that? Here's what's going to happen. In just a second, we're going to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. When we stand, I'm going to pray. When I say amen, uh, pastor's going to be right down here. Pastor, would you go ahead and come on down? Pastor will be uh, right over here. I'll be right here. Uh, we have another pastor will be right over here. All of you that prayed that prayer and you invited Christ to come to your life, you come to pastor. You go ahead and come right now, pastor. He'll be right there. I'll be here. Pastor will be here. You come to me. You come to pastor. You say, what am I supposed to say? All you say is, hey, pastor, I prayed that prayer for Ronnie. You say, what are we going to do? We're just going to take you to the side room over here. We're going to pray with you, give you some material. There's going to be other people in there too. You say, what are we doing? We're just celebrating your decision. And also, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to give you a Bible. Because you started a spiritual journey with God today, we're going to help you grow and get to know him. So, but it's important to take a stand. It starts right here tonight. You pray that prayer, you say, yes, I did. You say, but Ronnie, man, I go to another church. Hey, we're not trying to steal you from your church. You go to another church, that's cool. You're not joining this church. You're saying, I, am, I just invited Christ to come to my life. Hey, if you don't go anywhere and you'd like to be a part of this church, we'd love to have you. But that's not what this is about tonight. You're, you're saying, I've invited Christ to come to my life. And I want people to know about it, okay? So we're not going to embarrass you. We're just going to take you aside. We've got people who are called encouraged. We're going to take you right beside the over here, pray with you, and give you some material. And we're going to celebrate with you, okay? So when we stand, I pray, I say amen. Brother David sings, you step out and come. Encouragers, would you look up at me real quick? All of our encouragers, when we stand, I say amen. He sings, you step out and come. Stand on this front row right here and right here. And we're going to introduce these folks that are giving their heart to Christ, okay? Could you do me a favor? Can we all please stand now with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed, eyes closed. As soon as I say amen, you step out and come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for those that trust the Lord and Savior. I pray, God, you give them courage and boldness to take a stand for you. Bless their obedience right now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As they sing, you come on right now. We're down here right now. To follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No Morning, 
or whether it was tonight, you know what you need to do. But I want to talk to the church. Now, church, he told us to go make disciples. So if we are not doing that, if you are not sharing your faith on a regular basis, what is that? What is it, church? It's sin. It's flat-out sin. You know, we're really good as churches getting on people about all drugs and alcohol and adultery and all that. Hey, guess what? To not share your faith is just as much as sin as anything else. So quit coddling it. Quit excusing it. What we need to have is, we need to have repentance. And we wonder why this world is getting the way it is and why all the junk is going on. It's because we don't have believers in this country. We're way outnumbered. We, we got to have revival. We got to have God move. And the only way that's going to happen is if we, as believers, repent for not sharing our faith and we start telling other people. That's the only way it's going to turn around. So here's what I'm going to do. This is the only way I know how to do this. If you're here tonight and God spoke to you that you haven't been sharing your faith, and you're willing, number one, to repent of that. To ask God for forgiveness. Number two, you're willing to commit to start doing it. To start sharing your faith. And number three, you're going to stand in the gap for those people that don't know Jesus. In your family, your friends, your neighborhood, your workplace, your school. And you're going to start praying for them by name that God will save them. Let's quit praying God save this country. And start praying God save Susan and Bob and John. and By name that God will save them. And if you're willing to do that, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In just a second, I'm going to pray. When I say amen, I'm going to ask them to sing another verse. I want you to come and get this altar and just kneel at this altar. If you can't kneel down because you've got a bad back, bad knees, then sit on the front row right here. Once you all get down here, I want you, as you're coming, you're, you're saying to God, I'm repenting, I'm not sharing my faith. God, I'm committing to do it. And number three, God, please save my son-in-law. Please save my daughter. Please save my son. And you pray by name for God to save them. While you're doing that, here's what I'm going to do for you. God has gifted me as an evangelist. That's my gifting. To the church. To equip and edify the church. So I'm going to pray while you're down here. I'm going to pray over you. All at one time. And I'm going to pray that God will stir that gift of the evangelist up. Just like Paul did in Timothy. In, in, in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And then Timothy, he said, Timothy received that, that gift by laying on hands. I'm going to pray that God stirs up that gift of the evangelist in you for you to present the gospel clear, simple, with anointing, that you would give, God will give you boldness like you've never had before. I'm going to pray over that, over you, and that God will use you, and God will give favor to other people that you encounter, and God will use you to see people saved. So if you're for that, when I pray, I say amen. He's going to sing one verse, give you enough time to get down here. Once you get down here, they're going to keep playing, and I'm going to pray for everybody that's down here. While I'm doing that, you take care of business, you and God, asking his forgiveness, committing to do it, and start praying for those people by name that God will save them. Even this week. I'm talking about this week. I don't care if they live in another state. God can send somebody to them. God can use your email. God can use your phone call to, sit, to lead them to Christ. So if you're for that, when I say amen, you step out and come. And whether you need to sit or whether you, need to, you can kneel, However you want to do it. But let's pray. Father, you've talked to a lot of people here tonight about sharing their faith. You've stirred them up. 
And I pray, God, that they will respond to you tonight. Bless their obedience, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. at this altar I pray God that you pour out your spirit on them God that you would anoint them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit God you would give them boldness like they've never had before to share their faith God that you would take away any ounce of fear in them Lord because your word says you did not give us a spirit of fear but a power and of love and of sound mind so we ask that you give them a holy boldness like a lion, but harmless as a dove. And that you would give them favor with men and women to share their faith. And that people will respond. God, give them the ability to present the gospel simple and clear, but with anointing. God, for those that you're calling out to start special ministries that don't even exist yet, I pray, God, that you pour out the funding for that to accomplish what you're going to, how you're going to use them to reach lost people. Lord, whatever way, avenue, I pray, Father, for the people they're standing in the gap for, for their family, for their friends, for their co-workers, for fellow students. Lord, I pray you give them a harvest. I pray, Father, that you would use this church and churches around here, Father, to be a hub to send out missionaries all over the world. But not just all over the world, here in Lexington as well, Father. Right here in this town. Father, at the university, that professors and students and workers on campus would give their life to Christ. People in the administration, Lord, that you would start a revival on that campus. God, I'm all, I know we're all excited about the football team, but Father, we'd be more excited about what you do on that campus. So bring a harvest. Save souls. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you that you care more about our friends and family than we even do. And that you want to see them saved. 
So God, soften their hearts right now. Draw them to yourself. Father, let us see them the way you do. Tear down walls and barriers. We love you, God. Thank you for being good to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Brother David, would you sing that one more verse? Amen. Thank you so much. Boy, God's been good tonight, hasn't he? I want to say thank you to Brother Daryl for playing the organ tonight. And he's going to close with the postlude, so y'all are dismissed. God bless you. Daniel wants to say a few words. Yeah, I just I just wanted to remind folks here before y'all leave our encourager room. Uh, we still.